Howdy, and welcome to Episcoags, the podcast of the Episcopal Student Center at Canterbury House at Texas A&M and Blinn College. I'm Reverend Rich Nelson, your chaplain and podcast host. Uh, here are the uh, things that are coming up for us this coming week of October 20th through the 26th. Um, we have our usual uh, weekly schedule, and so this coming uh, Sunday night, we'll be having dinner and study hall at 730 um, on Tuesday afternoon, uh, there's usually Tuesday coffee over at MSC. However, I'm going to be uh, out of town at a clergy conference uh, the first part of the week, and so I won't be able to be there for that. But I will be back uh, some point in the day on Wednesday, and uh, we'll be having our usual Wednesday night dinner and uh, Eucharist worship service. That all begins at 730 and uh, worship this week will have a special guest preacher, and uh, I'm not letting it out who that is, but uh, you know him, you love him, and uh, it'll mean a lot to him if you're there. So come this uh, this Wednesday night to uh, our Wednesday night Eucharist. Vestry, if you're on our Vestry, our student leadership board, remember that we are meeting this Wednesday night after worship on Thursday. We've got our Bible study and dinner at 7.30, and so come on out for that. We're starting a brand new unit. We just finished up the Enneagram unit, and in fact, the rest of this podcast is going to have our last our last uh, Enneagram class that we just had this past week, so there's a chance to listen to that. Uh, but this coming Thursday on the 24th, we're going to be starting a brand new unit. This is Loving God with All of Our Mind. Uh, so this week, we're going to be looking at what does that mean Um, Jesus taught a lot about the kingdom of God, and that doesn't mean heaven. So we're going to be talking about what exactly this alternate worldview uh, that Jesus presents to us is uh, and uh, and how we we live into it. Uh, So that starts this Thursday at 730. Uh, Friday is our uh, usual schedule of things. Uh, So we've got noonday prayer and i'm available for spiritual direction all day if anybody needs to come by and talk you can just let me know um this next weekend on the 27th uh just a promo for a thing that's happening at our uh saint thomas parish right next door here uh at 7 p.m they're having a, a special concert with music from hildegard of bingen a uh uh mystic and a poet and a uh, prophet and a music composer. Uh, The very first music composer that we actually have a solid biography for is Hildegard of Bingen um, and created some amazing music that's still just as amazing today as it was back in her time. So come on out Sunday night to St. Thomas at 7 if you're interested in that. Um, Also this Sunday, I'll just let you know, I am celebrating and preaching at St. Thomas. So uh, if you want to come Sunday morning, the 27th, I'll be there doing that. All right, a couple of other things coming up real quick in the following week. I want to just make sure that everybody is well aware of. uh, On Wednesday, the 30th, we're having our usual Wednesday night things. However, there's a trunk or treat happening at St. Thomas. Uh, starting at 5.30, and so fun things out in the parking lot. And then after Eucharist on Wednesday night, 
uh, I don't know, around 9.30 or so, whenever that is, we'll be having our annual Halloween party. So get dressed up. Come on out Wednesday night the 30th. Uh, not this coming week, but the week after. All right. Maybe I'll stop there. There's other things coming up, but I'll cover those on next week's podcast. In the meantime, here you go. Here is our very last Enneagram class that we've had this fall. This is over the Thinking Center. That would be Enneagram numbers 5, 6, and 7, and we kind of wrap it all up and bring it all together. Uh, So here you go. Welcome to the uh, very last uh, Enneagram class. Uh, thank you all for uh, for sticking in here uh, to make sure that we get all of these numbers covered. So we started out with looking at the instinctive triad, the eights, nines, and ones. Uh, remember that these people are gut-level people and, uh, and respond instinctively to uh, the things that are happening in their life and their world. Then we moved on to the feeling triad, uh, the heart level triad. Uh, these people are are driven by their their emotional reaction to things. And then tonight we're going to move into the thinking triad, five, six, and seven. And these people are in their heads. You know, these people are are ones who are primarily using their intellect to process everything. So that's another way to think about it. Where do you process stuff? Do you process it kind of viscerally? Uh, bodily, if you're in the gut triad, do you process it emotionally? If you're in uh, the feeling triad, or do you process it uh, mentally, intellectually? If you're in the thinking triad. So, if the intuitive triad's driving factor is what to do with their anger, and the feeling triad's driving factor is what to do with their inner fear of worthlessness. The thinking triad's driving factor is what to do with their sense of distress. Um, the world for uh, five, six, and sevens is a pretty uh, unreliable, uh, threatening place to be. And so a lot of their energy is simply going to, how do I deal with that fact? They're worried about their own self-preservation. And they seek to master their environment somehow. And each of the three types do it a little bit differently. Fives do it through analysis Sixes do it through planning, and seven do it through escape. So that's kind of where we're heading tonight. I want to I keep reading from this uh, passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that I think does a good job of kind of uh, setting the stage for us. It says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. So, Here in New Testament times, long before the Enneagram, as best we can tell, was devised or even, you know, kind of thought of, there is this inherent recognition that in the community there are a variety of gifts. And even name some of the gifts that we would specifically assign with different parts of the Enneagram, right? 
So remember when we're using the Enneagram, the reason that we're using this is to come to a greater appreciation of the variety of kinds of people, to humble ourselves a little bit. Not everybody sees it the way that I see it. That's okay. In fact, it's a good thing. God kind of intended it that way. Um, So here's how I can be more understanding, more compassionate, uh, more loving and responsive. And it starts, of course, with understanding yourself. So let's dive right into type number five. Uh, Type number fives are called the observers or the investigators. These are people who are deeply interested in finding out why things are the way they are about the world, about the natural world, and about their inner world. They're prone to question what others say and want to test it out for themselves. They're also most naturally withdrawn of all the types. Types number fives. Now, every type in its own way can have people who are introverts and extroverts, right? So I'm not just talking about quiet people, but I'm talking about withdrawn people. People who step back from the action and really don't want to be engaged or a part of it would much prefer to observe it from afar. That's their safe zone. They need that space to observe and discern what is real and what can be trusted and who can be trusted. Fives are extraordinarily selective usually in who they choose to be vulnerable with, who they choose to be friends with. Um, But when they do choose to be friends with you, then they, they invest a lot in that relationship. So fives, if you can get a five to open up to you and be your friend, fives are, are really great, insightful friends to have. Um, but they usually don't have many, and sometimes they don't have any. They have limited energy for social interactions, and so they expend it judiciously. And yet when they choose to, they can be very present and very generous. So strengths of fives are that they're deeply thoughtful people. They're very perceptive. They're striving to be objective and not too quick to act or judge. They'll continue to mull things over. A weakness of a five, however, is that they can become crippled by their own indecisiveness and have a real lack of belief in themselves. So they'll question their own perception of things for a very long time. When they're healthy, um, that knowledge that they have by observing helps them build confidence and self-assurance and overcome that. But when they're unhealthy, they feel they can't do anything as well as somebody else could. So somebody else certainly could do this better than me. That gives me permission to just step even further back away from the situation. The way that they push themselves towards growth is by telling themselves, life must be lived, not just studied. Because they'll study it to death. And they'll they'll substitute that for actually living it. They'll think that that is living it. So, um, so they've actually got to jump in the game and not just be a spectator to life. Their direction of integration is towards, can you guess what a five who's very pulled back and withdrawn, what's a kind of opposite of them that if they could move towards that type, it would probably help them become a more balanced person. A three could be... Seven could be 
All these things could be, but they're not. Uh, an 8, actually, right? The reason that a direction of integration for a 5 is an 8 is because an 8 is a serve. They have no bones about putting themselves out there, about uh, jumping in the middle of the fray. So what 5s need to do is they need to watch how 8s do things and learn how to be a little bit more like that. They're never going to be like that, um, but that's, that's what they're missing. So that's always the direction of integration. What am I missing? What helps me become a more integrated person? The direction of disintegration is always the direction that pulls you deeper and further down uh, into, um, into kind of your pit. And ironically, the direction of disintegration for fives is towards seven. And you're moving towards an unhealthy seven. We haven't even covered seven yet. We're going to do that at the last of tonight. But the reason disintegration is towards a seven is because unhealthy sevens, like unhealthy fives, have a tendency to just, when they can't figure it out, they just give up and let, let themselves go. All right? We'll get into that more once we get to sevens. Fives at their best. Analytical, sensitive, wise, objective, perceptive, self-contained people. Fives at their worst can be intellectually arrogant, know-it-alls, um, who become stubborn, distant, critical of others, and negative. They just pull completely back and judge everything. All right. So what could you imagine might be some naturally appealing jobs for somebody who's an observer? Research. Number one kind of thing that they feel drawn to. Just dive into the data and observe the hell out of it. And that's your whole world. So, yeah, research. Huge, huge draw for fives. Yep, yep. General academic fields. Yep, anything that allows you to, uh, engineering, architecture perhaps, anything that allows you to just kind of immerse yourself in your own world that you're building. They can be writers, because again, it's all about observing. Um, some of them choose to be artists. Remember, they're right next to a four, and that's what we covered last time. So you have five wing fours and four wing fives, people that are kind of in between those two a little bit, and fours are more naturally artistic. Fives likewise can be too. All right. Thoughts or questions about a five? The observers. I think this, yeah. So the root issue of all the five, six, and seven. Yeah, the root issue of five, six, and seven is the world is not a safe place. And I've got to figure out how to make it safe for myself. So I had to, uh, I couldn't think of a superhero who was a five off the top of my head, but um, I did some Googling and came up with a couple suggestions, but can you think of? Nick Fury. Nick Fury, okay. Why do you, why would you say 
Nick Fury. Well, the reason that is like he's very like drawn back. He's not really in the action too much. Like uh-huh. in the movies or anything, he's not very trusting of like people. Like people he does let in is a very small group of people. Yeah. Like he kind of blows up. That's Samuel Jackson's character. <laughs> right. That's what he does well. <laughs> yeah, could be. There's no hard and fast answer to this. The superhero question is just kind of a fun, can you imagine thing. And when I Google it, I find people putting the superheroes in different categories, you know, based on what they think is their predominant trait. A couple of suggestions that I found uh, were uh, vision. So that made some sense to me, right? And not exactly a superhero, but a fictional character, Sherlock Holmes, you know, just deep dive in observation not really the best social skills uh likes to spend a lot of time alone that kind of thing sound good okay moving on to six uh different groups give these uh types different names so some call it kind of the skeptic or the loyal skeptic other call it the loyalist uh, loyal seems to be a word that pops up a lot for sixes in their description. So these are people who often attach themselves to authority figures to give some affirmation to their own worldview. So if the world is not a safe place, then the way that I get safe is I find an authority figure who I think is going to keep me safe. Somebody who's going to make those decisions for me to a large degree. Now, of all the numbers on the Enneagram uh, we're taught, sixes are the most complicated and most difficult sometimes to understand and get to the bottom of uh, because they present themselves in two very different ways that look like opposites, but they're both being drawn out of the same thing. Um, Sixes fear being without support or guidance, and so they deal with it either by becoming cautious, indecisive, and following established authority, or by rebelling against that authority and being defiant and reactive. Okay? So the the common thread seems to be, for a six, the world is not safe. What do I do about that in a relationship to authority figures? Do I fall in line with them and trust them, or do I reject most authority and say that it's not safe. Those that reject it oftentimes look like eights as a result. Um, and they can go back and forth between those two things. All right. So you can be kind of loyal soldier, loyal soldier, loyal soldier. The authority figure does something that uh, causes you to reject their authority, and then you become hard rebel, hard rebel, hard rebel, or vice versa. It's confusing, and this is the one that I think I have. Mm-hmm. And that's why you can call them loyalists, but other call them skeptics. You know, this is the number that I personally have the hardest time understanding but but people who teach the Enneagram pretty consistently say they present themselves in these two different ways both having to do with authority figures so strengths of sixes are that they're protective 
committed to the cause and very committed to those that they choose to trust as authority figures. Uh, the weakness is that they worry a lot. Sixes worry uh, constantly and don't trust the judgment of many. So um, nobody, uh, an example of a six in church would be somebody who goes, nobody understands it as well as Pastor Perfect. Everything that Pastor Perfect says is gospel law. I believe everything Pastor Perfect says. That's, the, that's what defines my faith, is whatever that man says is gospel truth, and I'm not listening to anybody else. Right? Another example of a six would be the person who shows up every Sunday and goes, um, this pastor doesn't know what he's talking about. They have not bought into the authority. When they're healthy, um, they can have uh, great peace despite the uncertainties of life. So if they get healthy, they're able to get past those things. They can see, yes, life is worrisome and uncertain, but still be at peace about that. When they're unhealthy, they can just ping pong back and forth between whoever seems to have the loudest, most convincing voice at the moment. They have no kind of, no center, nothing to hold on to besides just whoever seems to be the authority figure. The thing that they tell themselves or need to tell themselves in order to grow is reassure themselves, I am secure and don't need to be mistrustful of everyone. I am secure. So the direction of integration is towards a nine. By using their uh, skills at kind of uh, reading everything to broker peace, and their direction of disintegration is towards a three. Threes are achievers, remember, and six who's, who disintegrate towards a three um, end up thinking that everything depends on them. And they just become more and more hunkered down in that line of thinking. So at their best, obviously loyal, caring, um, helpful, responsible, dependable soldiers for the cause. Uh, at their worst, they become hypervigilant, unpredictable, paranoid, self-defeating. Sixes can be all kinds of different things professionally. They might choose just a wide variety of fields. Probably depending on who an early influential person in their life was. So what was an early authority figure in their life? They might just choose to be like that person. And that person could be doing any number of things. And so you find sixes kind of all over the career map. Uh, but because they can buy into authority and really lockstep with that, uh, some of them choose to do like military or corporate kind of stuff. Uh, some of them choose to be self-employed, that kind of thing. Sure, of course. What makes you think of a lobbyist for them? Just like consistently, like believe like one idea and just trying to like find authority. Yeah. 
placebo side of it, like opinion, like six during the placebo side, like arguing pretty well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they can. I mean, they can kind of just go back and forth between them a lot. But if they choose to take a side, then yeah, I think a lobbyist could be a career that is comfortable for them, right? But like critics, food critics, movie critics. Huh. Yeah, some people make a career out of it. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I could definitely see that being appealing to a sex. It's been a long time since I saw that movie. I don't remember it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Do you know anybody who's kind of like a six? They buy into the authority structure and happily, blindly, dedicatedly follow it, or vice versa. They take a look at the authority structure and go, "This is complete and utter bullshit, and I have nothing to do with it." Right? Yep. So remember, for sixes, it's about who is in the position of authority. Do I trust them? Do I not? So with that in mind, can you imagine a superhero? <laughs> superhero? Hero? Uh, who might potentially be a six? Either the bought into the authority structure or rejecting it. Yeah, we talked about Captain America for number one, uh, but uh, but yeah, I think his story kind of plugs into this type somewhat too, in that he wanted to be a part of the military, he wanted to get bought into that. Yeah, I can see that being possible. Oh, I got a red though. Sorry. Okay, I got a, I got a, it's not a superhero, but it's like a fictional character. Okay, yeah. She like all she wants to do is like rebel, and she like kind of attaches herself to like the people in the capital, but like with the intent of like making sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I can't remember his name in Marvel. Iron Man's like second command guy. War something or another. War machine. Yeah. Yep. Could be. Somebody suggested Wolverine as a possible idea of a six, you know. Um, the uh, rebellious version of six. Maybe. All right. Sevens. This is the, uh, the ninth type of all the things that we've gone over. So here we are. Number sevens, uh, the paper you have calls them an epicure, and I even had to look that up in the dictionary to see what an epicure was. Uh, a lot of times they're called enthusiasts. Um, connoisseurs of life is a rough translation of an epicure, right? So, very nice. Uh, these people are, are pretty interesting folks. Uh, they're naturally curious. Naturally optimistic, adventurous kinds of people that want to live life to, their, uh, to the fullest, but preferably in only uh, the happy ways. So this is the way that they're dealing with 
uh, insecurity of the world is they'll dive into it so long as it's, uh, it's exciting, so long as it's safe uh, in that way, emotionally safe for them. It could be physically dangerous and they'll still do it. They seek to live life uh, uh, as kind of a, a constant... Uh, these people can be adrenaline junkies. I mean, they can be kind of constantly looking for something that makes them makes them feel alive, something that makes them feel uh, in control, right? They're trying to prove to themselves that they're in control. Their searching isn't for nothing. They really are questioning what it is that they really want in life and who they want to be. And so their chasing after adventure is partly an exploration not just of the world, but exploration of themselves, right? So can I climb this mountain? If I can, what does that say about who I am now? That's changed who I am as a result of doing that. Um, they can be, their strengths are is that they're exuberant, they're upbeat, uh, that, that can rub off on others in a good way. Kind of rally the troops, get everybody excited and out there. Uh, but their weaknesses are that they're actually very deeply anxious people. Um, they cannot sit still, and that's an issue for them, right? If they sit still with themselves for too long, they get nervous, frustrated. They can even get enraged when they're not given a full cornucopia of options. They want all the options on the table so they can choose them all. If you start narrowing the options for a seven, they, they get they can get pretty mad about that. Do not seek to limit my options. The world is my option, period. When they're healthy, they're playful, successful, people with good senses of humor. Uh, when they're unhealthy, they can become compulsive and trapped in a grass is always greener on the other side loop. Always chasing that, that thing that's got to be better than whatever this is. All right. So... To grow into a healthier person, they can tell themselves, I need to notice what's really going on and not just knee-jerk it. What's really happening here? And not just bend it towards fun and exciting and engaging, because not all of life is. Direction of integration for a seven is towards a five. Fives are observers, right? So a seven who's just always out there, go, 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 the thing that they need to do is learn from a five how to pull back, how to evaluate a little bit, be comfortable not always being in the center of everything. Their direction of disintegration is towards a one. Ones at their unhealthiest become deeply restrictive of themselves, imposing severe limits upon themselves. So when sevens get unhealthy, um, they severely self-limit. They don't trust their natural tendencies to enjoy the fullness of life, and so they go, bad boy, bad boy, bad boy, all you should do is this, and they beat themselves up that way. Or they could become just kind of 
dangerously self-destructive. Um, I'm going to climb that rock wall uh, without ropes, even though I know it's beyond my limit and it's icy. <laughs> but if today's the day I die, oh well, um, when they're unhealthy. So at their best, they're fun-loving, spontaneous, enthusiastic, charming people. And when they're at their worst, they're impulsive, undisciplined, narcissistic, eternally restless. So given all that, about a seven, what can you imagine would be a career that would be appealing for a seven? Stuntman. Stuntman, yeah. Always something challenging, always something exciting going on. Yeah. Entrepreneurship, that's right. Why entrepreneurship? It's exciting. There's not a lot of not a lot of safety net there. You're out you're out on it. Yep. Police, firefighter. Sure. Yep. Built in adventure. Never know what's gonna happen. They end up being pulled towards things outdoors. Uh, they do not want to be in a cubicle in an office. Here's another type that'd be very unhappy with that. Fives love cubicles. Give me my office with a door that I can shut, please. Um, sevens, not that at all. Photographers, the airline industry pulls a lot of sevens because you get to go all kinds of places and slightly dangerous work. Seals, yep. Anything that's not repetitive. If it's something that's repetitive, it will destroy them. You know, put them in a job that's the same thing every day. Mm -mm -mm. For others, they'd love that. That's a safety zone. I know what I'm doing today. I know how to do it well. I'm good. Not for sevens. They can move. Uh -huh. They love telling their own stories, which can either be highly entertaining or self totally self-absorbed. Yep. Huge check mark. And then like the gluttony of whatever sport it is to their doing. Yes. They're just stuck in their own little silo, whether it's that high school football team or whatever. Yep. That's it. That's all they know about. That's the world to them. Yep. Good call. Yeah. I think so. You know anybody who's a seven? I do. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool people. I like being around sevens. Um, but uh, don't expect them to sit down and watch a tearjerker movie with you. Nah. You know, probably not going to be for them. Anything that they tend to shy away from difficult emotions. From sadness. Some can. I mean, if you're a healthy seven, you can deal with that and you're good with it, but average to unhealthy sevens, I'd rather not. Can you think of a superhero who might be a seven? Or a fictional character? Ant-Man. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that's a good one. 
Ant-Man could well be a seven. Why? Why do you say Ant-Man? He's always like doing crazy stuff. Wild, crazy. Yep. Dive into the you know sub quantum level or whatever it is. He's good with it. Well, why not? Let's go. Yep. Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill. What makes you say Winston Churchill? The gluttony aspect. He lived his whole life drunk. He was all about telling stories. <laughs> and, you know, he's adventurous, fun loving. Good, yeah. Teddy Roosevelt, I think. Oh, yeah. Seven. Somebody suggested Thor. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, Loki. Could be. Though somebody else thought Loki was a three, an achiever, always trying to prove his successfulness or something. But Yeah. All right, so if you end up marrying a five and observe her, how do you be a good partner, supporter of a five? Encourage them to participate. Encourage them to, to participate. Don't just sit back. Push your comfort zone. They may not like you for doing these things, right? <laughs> You're also going to recognize that sometimes they honestly, genuinely need to pull back and be detached, and you need to be okay with that. But when they are healthier and when they can handle it, encourage them to step out on the field. Yep. If you end up being life partners or good friends with a six. Six are loyalists and or loyal skeptics. What do you think that they might need from a good partner? Make sure that like, they see you as trustworthy. Yeah. See you as someone that they can trust. Yep. Yeah. That's going to be huge for them. I feel like with six, they might also need Mm-hmm. Yep. Trust their own thinking about things. Help them find the w- words to articulate their own. And of course, they have their own thoughts. They're just more inclined to want to adopt somebody else's. So I want to encourage them to find those words. If you end up being partners with Seven, an adventurer, an epicure, what uh, what do you imagine that, that they might need from you? There you go, yeah. They probably do. You know, They need you to pull out of your own comfort zone and participate out there on the edge with them a little bit more than others would. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You are. You're going to need patience with these people. Can you help ground them? Bring them back? 
Yep. They do. They need a safe place to land. They need to be grounded. Um, so if they're going to climb that rock wall, they're going to need a pretty nice cushion at the bottom every now and then. And that could be you for when they do slide off the side. All right. Uh -huh. What is the most common and what is the rarest? Or are they pretty unique? That's a great question. I don't think I know enough to answer that. What are the most common and the most rare types? I feel like the scents are fairly rare. Think so? I don't know about the most rare, but like, I, I see like a whole lot more. Uh-huh. Your sense is that more people are pulled back than that. I would measure changes, yeah. Yeah, it could be the There probably is an answer to that, Ryan. I I might go check into that some more. I seem to recall being in a class one time or maybe listening to a, a video about the Enneagram and somebody saying, this is the most rare type, but I don't remember what type it was. And I think it probably depends partly on the society that you live in, the culture that you live in. Some cultures bend people towards one direction or another, right? Yeah, yeah uh, I remember you mentioned this So I mean, you mentioned that like drug addiction is very common in fours and like second addiction is certain. That'd be the same with seven as well. Yep. They're prone to excess, right? So that's not to say that, you know, there aren't drug addicts who are all nine types. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those who when they become unhealthy also are more prone to be more reckless or more kind of uh, deep diving in people. I feel like fours would be more into like actual like drug addiction, where sevens would be more like hard drugs. Yeah, they could end up sliding into it from the side because they're around a lot of people who are just you know pushing the envelope in all kinds of ways. Yeah. Yeah, imagine sevens, sevens get along pretty well. Yeah. A four might become a, yeah. a four might become an addict at a time where they're in a deep bad place. A seven might become an addict when they actually think they're doing pretty good. No, yeah, you know, let's try this, and there they go. All right, if you have a child who's a five, observer, what are they going to need from you? They'll need patience. Yep. Fivers are observers. Yep. yep. Give them ample opportunity to observe. You know, you feed that natural curiosity. Yeah. Give them lots of opportunities to do that. Help them feel safe as they're doing it. Invite them to participate. If your child is a six, it's all about authority. And you're their authority figure, then what? Really, you don't have a great kind of trust. Yeah, 
That's going to be huge. If you break that trust and they rebel against you, hold on. It's going to be a rough ride. That's right. And if your child is a seven, what are they going to need? Right? Yep. Healthy ways to channel all that energy. Yep. What else? Figure out healthy limits. How far out on the limb is it okay to go before you become unsafe? They're going to need some help figuring that out. You're not going to keep them out of the tree, but you can teach them. When the branch gets less than two inches in diameter, maybe it's time to take a step back. Or something, you know, right? It's interesting. Discipline. Yeah. Help. Figure out how to be disciplined. Yep. 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 With all of these types, that's a good point. With all these types, you do want to encourage their natural strength, their natural ability. That's not a bad thing. That is the gift that they have to bring. And yet at the same time, you need to help them figure out how to do that in a balanced way. All right. So a couple of things uh, before we wrap up. What time do you all have? Um, First... uh, of all, I'll say, if you're interested in learning more about the Enneagram, I'm talking with Anya over at St. Thomas about doing a Bryan College Station Enneagram weekend in the spring, bringing in an Enneagram teacher who knows even more about it than she and I do. Um, so kind of be on the lookout for that. I think that's going to happen. Uh, and. So there'll be an opportunity to take an even deeper dive into this stuff in the spring. If you know other people who are really interested in the Enneagram, it'll be a great opportunity to do some outreach, invite them to come. We're probably going to have it here since we've got the nice big open room. It's comfortable. Um, So that's coming down the line. Um, And we're getting ready to shift uh, gears into a new phase of our Thursday nights. So the Enneagram study has been a soul study. Remember, we're looking at heart, soul, mind, and strength. The great commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we're, we're taking that, that section by section this year. So soul is about our relationships. It's about understanding how people work. Uh, our next phase of study is going to be uh, mind. Uh, so it's all about our worldview. So we're going to be looking next week about what Jesus meant when he talked about the kingdom of God. This was a big part of his preaching ministry. What is the kingdom of God? Uh, it's not heaven, okay? And I'll give you that much so far. And sometimes it gets interpreted as that. Uh, so what was he talking about when he talked about kingdom of God? And then in subsequent weeks, we're going to dive into some things that you all said you were interested in learning more about. So um, so two weeks from tonight, uh, on Halloween, we're doing Angels and Demons. So uh, we'll be, you know... Looking at what the Bible says about these, uh, 
and then kind of just contemporary pop culture and how that's colored our thinking about what angels and demons are. Um, yeah. All right, yep. I've heard the poltergeist is here. I have not encountered the poltergeist. Um, if they want to show up that night, it'd be all kinds of appropriate, I guess. And then after that, we're going to be, uh, for most of the rest of the semester, then we're going to be looking at uh, things having to do with Scripture. What is this book? It's actually 66 books put together. How did we come up with that? With those, there were lots of others that didn't make it into the Bible. Why didn't they make it into the Bible? Does the Bible have a unified theme, or is it just kind of an amalgamation? Um, should we read the Bible literally, or should we read it metaphorically? Just to say, when it says that um, God created the world in seven days, do we interpret that as seven? 24-hour periods, or do we interpret it as seven different phases of creation? Um, all those kinds of things. So how do, how do we go about engaging with Scripture? That's going to be a big, a big theme for us for the rest of the year. This semester. Sound good? Okay. Last thing I thought, just for fun, I'd show you all this. Um, it just came out a couple of weeks ago. So... Hopeful, maybe you haven't seen this already since it's new. But I know a lot of Enneagram stuff is floating around out there these days. So perhaps you come across the Enneagram Rhapsody. Have you heard this thing yet? No, yeah. I have not. Okay. So, so it's kind of fun. Um, I don't know. Why don't we like gather up around here? It's a play on Bohemian Rhapsody, but it talks about all the different Enneagram types. It's pretty well done. It's actually done by a church. I don't know what church has the resources to do this, but it's a That's what's happening this week at Canterbury Episcopal Student Center. We are located at 902 George Bush Drive, right next to St. Thomas Episcopal Church, right across the street from Kyle Field. We invite you to come out and join us anytime you can, or check us out on the web at www.episcoags.org. <laughs>